It's Wednesday, February 27th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Michael Cohen, President Trump's former lawyer and fixer, is in the middle of his three-day tour of congressional testimony. Today is his public hearing, and some big allegations are expected to fly. Today, he is expected to claim the president engaged in criminal conduct while in office. Daniel Lippman, reporter for Politico, joins us to discuss Cohen's testimony and his credibility. Next, despite some weaker earnings, Domino's is winning the pizza wars. As the pizza landscape grows more crowded, Domino's leads the field with great deals and delivery locations outside of the home. My producer Miranda joins us for more on the pizza wars and the top pizza chains. Finally, Walmart will be eliminating the people greeter position at about 1,000 stores around the country, and workers with disabilities say they are feeling targeted. The position is being replaced with customer hosts that have expanded responsibilities. They must be able to lift 25 pounds, clean up spills, collect carts, and more. Adding this would exclude a range of workers with disabilities and some elderly people as well. We'll cover the blowback and Walmart's response. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I really appreciate the opportunity that was given to me to clear the record. I look forward to being able to, in my voice, to tell the American people my story, and I'm going to let the American people decide exactly who's telling the truth. Joining us now is Daniel Lippman, co-author of the Politico Playbook. We're uh, going to be talking about Michael Cohen testifying before Congress today. It's all about the president. Uh, it's kind of his big last hurrah before he reports to jail in May. I don't know how enjoyable it's going to be, but uh, <laughs> you know he's got uh, three rounds of it. Yesterday was uh, before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Today is before the House Oversight and Reform Committee. That's the big public one. And then tomorrow in, uh, in closed door talks again with the House Intelligence Committee. What is the relationship between the president and Michael Cohen? And then let's talk about his credibility, because I know that's at issue here. A lot of uh, president's supporters are saying that Michael Cohen is a convicted criminal and a liar, and that we shouldn't listen to what he says. You know, they're trying to protect the president, given that this is a pretty damaging week of testimony, both private and public. And I think the eyes of the nation are on this hearing because Cohen is the person who had worked for Trump for so long and knows all the secrets. He was the guy tasked by Donald Trump to clean up his messes. And eventually that came back to bite both of them, given that Cohen's going to jail. And Cohen is also going to accuse Trump of breaking the law with these hush money payments to these mistresses. Yeah, as Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, called Michael Cohen a disgraced felon. Part of the reason why he is going to jail is because he did admit to previously lying to Congress. So that's why I say the, his credibility is at issue. He's lied before. He could lie again. You know, who knows what all his motivations are now. But but he has turned around and cooperating, I guess. Um, just some reports that we've heard from the testimony yesterday before the uh, Senate committee. They said that he was receiving an extensive grilling uh, and Susan Collins said that he seems like a very different guy. What are we expecting today in the public hearing? I know people are saying that he's going to be describing in granular detail the scheme to pay off Stormy Daniels and uh, how it was all set and orchestrated by the president. This is something that we've been waiting for for a long time for him to testify. 
fact that they that Cohen is going to say all of this damaging stuff, uh, he knows that he's going to be under oath, and so you'd have to be really wanting to go to jail for longer if he is going to lie on the, on <laughs> Capitol a, Hill today. Yeah, do it a second that time. Is, that begs the question of, is Sarah Sanders actually right, or is she trying to cover for her boss, given that she is the press secretary after all, and he's he's telling her, hey, let's, let's say this, and statements are approved by the president on sensitive stuff like this. And so, you know, she's working hand in glove with Trump to cast aspersions on Michael Cohen. And so he doesn't want to get in this perjury area again with Congress, given that a lot of Trump folks over the last year or two, they've had issues, you know, saying proper, proper and accurate things to Congress. Remember Jeff Sessions early on, he didn't reveal his conversations with the Russians, the ambassador, and he told Congress that, and he kind of got, got off on that because they just didn't really pursue it. There was a Republican Congress then. And so I think the issue Cohen faces is, you know, how long will this actually last? Because there's always things that people talk about, oh, this is going to take down Trump, and this is going to be really damaging. Right. And then a week passes, and the country moves on, and then there's a new scandal or a new controversy, or Trump, maybe he'll declare the Korean War solved and yeah, you know, peace on the Korean Peninsula. I mean, so. that's the interesting thing, that all of this with Michael Cohen is playing out in with the backdrop of the president in Hanoi with Kim Jong-un, and who knows what's going to come out of that meeting just yet. People are saying that he's going to be giving an account of uh, what he claims is the president's lying, racism, and cheating, and even possible criminal conduct. He's going to release some type of slide that has private financial statements, although it can't be verified unless we have the tax returns, which we're not going to see. So there's a lot of things going on. I think also you know, they might uh, be asking him about the plans to build the Trump Tower in Moscow and how long the president was involved in some of those conversations, how long the president's family was involved in those conversations. So there's a lot of things that could potentially start to put some pieces together. But in the long run, you know, what is it actually going to all mean? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what we can be assured of is that what he says today will kind of go down in the history books as you know, very, this has not ever happened very frequently when the when a U.S. president's top lawyer and fixer basically goes totally against that person and switches to reveal instances of illegal conduct and uh, racist remarks, that is not that's not that didn't happen in the Obama presidency or the Bush presidency or even Clinton. And so hard, you know, maybe Rich Nixon. That's the last time when you had these types of hearings that got so much attention. I think people are going to be kind of remembering this moment for a long time when they talk about the Trump presidency and the legal issues and how Congress was involved. Yeah, one of the uh, interesting things is, and this is kind of going back to how effective and how uh, credible all the testimony is going to be if they ask him about what happened in that BuzzFeed news article that basically said that Trump had directed Michael Cohen to lie about the extent of the Moscow project. People, sources close to it say that, well, the president always speaks in code words, not direct language. So again, it's just kind of like, what are we going to get out of this? And it's just going to be, uh, I mean, it seems to be like it's going to be an exciting day full of testimony and, and lots of crazy things going on. So we'll all wait to see what happens. Daniel Lippman, co-author of the Politico Playbook, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Is your New Year's resolution to get a new job? 
then it's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Your local Express office is your connection to a new job. You can even complete your application over the phone. Express prepares job seekers for interviews and has relationships with businesses to find you a job. Job seekers never pay any fees at Express, and each year, more than half a million people find work through Express. Find a location near you at ExpressPros.com or download the Express Jobs app. One Express associate, Ian, said, I began my job search online while finishing my undergrad degree. I applied for an electrical job and was asked to come in for an interview with Express. I interviewed for the job the next week and then started later at a new job as a panel builder. Ultimately, I was offered a full-time position with an Express client company, and I truly enjoyed all aspects of my job, the work, the coworkers, and the pay. I owe this opportunity to Express, and I want to thank Express. Don't go it alone any longer in your job search. Get to know Express. Visit ExpressPros.com or download the Express Jobs app. We're opening more than 150,000 locations called Domino's Hotspots. You can finally get Domino's delivered to every single one of them. Get two medium, two topping pizzas delivered for $5.99 each. Domino's Hotspots, delivery to parks, beaches, and other outdoor locations near you. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. We're going to have some fun talking about pizza. I know last time we did the French fry power rankings with the LA Times, we just got some earnings reports from the top pizza places. Tell us who the number one pizza place with market share is, Miranda. I mean, it's no surprise when you think of pizza, you think of these iconic brands. And number one this year, of course, is Domino's Pizza. And it's a lot to do with their viral campaigns. They're saying that while Domino's is leading, they have a lot of stores and they make a lot of money. A lot of it is because of their initiatives to pave the roads and they know how to do a marketing campaign. They've got that great app. They were kind of the first people to have that. What's interesting is that Papa John's is on this list and they're really struggling to keep up. Papa John's had a bunch of scandals involving its founder, John Schnatter. Their stock has declined nearly 27% over the past year. So that's bad news for Papa John's. But as you said, meanwhile, Domino's is just the market leader right now. They're gaining market share still. Something that really was a boost to them was their ability to go deliver a lot of other places that's just not your home. So they'll go to like a ballpark or just a regular park. They'll meet you out in places, you know, where you might be having a little picnic or something like that. And their app is so good. It's reliable. They can find you if you're in a weird place. One of the pizza companies that is gaining traction on everybody, though, and really people point to the future of pizza, what it could really be, is Blaze Pizza. Tell us a little bit about them. So Blaze Pizza has more than 300 locations, and they're the pizza company you may have heard them because they're backed by LeBron James. He's an early investor into this company, and they're more directly challenging Domino's. This is one of those places that's like made-to-order personal pizzas. I've personally been to a Blaze Pizza. It was in a mall, and you walk up, and you it's fully customizable. You can describe to the degree of how thick you want your crust to be, cracker-like, oh, wow. fluffy. It's that detailed. Every little thing you could possibly want on a pizza, they have a ton of sides. It's like the Chipotle of pizza places. Yeah, they're experimenting with the delivery of a larger 14-inch pizza that they plan to roll out nationwide later this year. They also are one of the only ones that uses a third-party service for delivery like Postmates. Yeah. Where, you know, Domino's and Pizza Hut, obviously all these other ones have their in-house guys. They use Postmates, which helps them out quite a bit there. Let's talk about some of the best pizza chains across the USA. This comes from an article out of Food Beast. 
And they took a bunch of stuff into consideration. You have to have at least 20 locations, the national impact, popularity, the size, the quality, unique contributions that they've had to the way we eat pizza and how it's all changed. The pizza community. The pizza community. Culture of pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start off with number 10. They say it's Papa Murphy's. They say it's kind of a bridge between Domino's and Tombstone. It's a take and bake style place. CC's is number nine. They call it the OG Pizza Buffet. I personally like Shakey's Bunch of Lunch, which is also the Pizza <laughs> Buffet thing. But CC's makes the list there. Coming in at number eight is Sparrow Pizza. It's the one that you everybody knows from the malls uh, right in the food court. I love Sparrow Pizza. And I know you and I were having some disagreements <laughs> on this. And I don't know if it's a nostalgia factor or if I just like that kind yeah. of pizza. But I like it. And they still bring in over $600 million right. in revenue every year. Yeah. I mean, uh, even though malls and, uh, and they don't traffic deliver. in the malls are declining a little bit. Yeah, they still bring in a lot of money. I'm just not a big fan of Sparrow's. I think I got turned off on it when I was a kid. Number seven is Round Table Pizza. Round Table Pizza is excellent, but it's expensive. It's so expensive, but they have really cool specialty pizzas. Like if you are a fan of white pizza or some kind of a barbecue chicken pizza, they do that really well. I think the meatballs that they put on their pizza. Mm -hmm. Because they're actual meatballs. Number six is Costco. Every, I love Costco. Everything pizza. from Costco is delicious. I catered my daughter's to your birthday party with the Costco <laughs> pizza because it's cheap and it's awesome. Yeah, they're big. In this article for Food Beast, they say it's got the right amount of grease combined with a craveable cheese and extremely affordable prices. Yeah, they're it's priced awesome. just right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Number five is Blaze Pizza, and they call it the future of pizza. They're growing like crazy. So you're going to be seeing a lot more of these all over the place. And what's cool about Blaze, and we'll get into Little Caesars because Little Caesars is like simple pizza. Blaze has really fancy stuff like you could get truffle on your pizza. You can have a gourmet pizza experience through Blaze. Number four is California Pizza Kitchen. Very good. I just don't go there very often, but I know that the barbecue chicken pizza there is excellent. That's their thing. I'm not, when I go to CPK, I don't get pizza, weirdly enough. So that's not one of my go-tos for pizza. Number three is Little Caesars. Now this one for me is nostalgia. There was one by my house when I was a child. I'd walk there or ride my bike there and get it and Even way back in the day when they were square pizzas and they'd come in packs of two. The Bigfoot. Remember the Bigfoot pizza? Yeah. So, I mean, the Little Caesars is always great. Right now, they're killing it with their $5 pizza hot and ready Mm -hmm. thing. They're doing a lot with automation as far as they've got these pizzas that are, they just keep cranking them out as far as, you know, cheese, sausage, pepperoni, whatever basic pizza sells a lot. Those are very simple. And you literally just come in slide your card and take it like it's a vending machine. And it's great. It's hot, fresh, and ready to go. No lie. Number two is Pizza Hut. My favorite there is Stuffed Crust Pizza. On this list, this is my favorite. I love Pizza Hut. I could eat that every single week. And they're the official pizza of the NFL following Papa John's drama. (laughs) Exactly. And number one, as we said before, Domino's. They continue to be the top pizza. They just have a lot of things going in their favor. They're number one still. All right. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. They want to change the position from being a greeter to a customer host. And then with that title change comes expanded responsibilities, such as they need to be able to lift 25 pounds. They need to be able to collect carts and stand for long periods of time. Joining me now is Miranda again. She's back for a double story today. Hey, hey, hey. We're going to be talking about Walmart and some of the blowback they were receiving this past week. They're going to be eliminating people greeters at the front door when you walk in. A lot of workers with disabilities say that they specifically are feeling targeted by this. They're changing the job requirements of a front door greeter, and they say it's going to disproportionately affect these workers. They're adding more to do 
to it. You have to lift certain amount of uh, weight to be able to do this and a few other things that we'll get to in a while. But these workers right now that have been there, whether they be people with disabilities or elderly people, you know them, you see them when you go to the store, they are going to be phased out. And this is going to be happening in about a thousand stores across the country. Tell us a little bit more about this, Miranda. So they're finding that Walmart is needing their front door greeters to have a little bit more physical strength. They want to change the position from being a greeter to a customer host. And then with that title change comes expanded responsibilities, such as taking care of security or helping shoppers. They need to be able to lift 25 pounds. They need to be able to bend over and clean up a spill. They need to be able to collect carts and stand for long periods of time. This is among other things that this new position is going to entail. But these tasks can be impossible for some of their workers in place doing this job already, people with disabilities, elderly people. Workers have been told that they have to be able to climb a ladder to qualify for other jobs within the store. And there goes any greeter who's sitting in a wheelchair. So that's the question is, how are they going to absorb these workers in other positions? Right. On the face of it, it seems to make sense as a business decision. You know, you need more utility players in this space. You know, they're at the front of the store. If somebody's grabbing carts and they're swamped out in the parking lot, hey, can you go help kind of thing? The same thing with uh, people needing help to put stuff in their cars. The big thing is going to be the follow through that Walmart does to reassign these workers or, you know, give them more time as their position kind of gets phased out. What has the response from Walmart been so far on this? Walmart has been talking broadly about the plan to eliminate because they don't want to get too specific. They aren't saying how many jobs are going to be affected, but they're expecting that more than 80% of the greeters will be able to find new positions. And then from there, it will be a matter of severance and other things. But their big issue to be concerned about is lawsuits. There's a legal implication, and it's really complicated because it depends on each store's unique ability to respond to the affected greeter. They have to be very delicate concerning the Americans with Disabilities Act. And that doesn't exclude companies from changing their job descriptions and expected functions as they see fit to grow their business. Yeah, uh, you said lawsuits are going to be a big thing. They've already had they already have several complaints against them with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. There's a few that were filed just last year. These two cousins, both of whom use wheelchairs, they said they lost their greeter jobs last year. There's uh, somebody in Wisconsin, former greeter said that they were forced into a worse paying and more physically demanding job. Others that said there was a greeter with cerebral palsy that said that They had been on extended leave of absence since the job changed. So these people have already filed these types of lawsuits with Walmart, and there could be more on their way. Walmart even had a plan to eliminate greeters since 2016. They had posts they had internally that said offering customers more at the door. Retailers are under a lot of pressure to keep down costs. Walmart is in direct competition with Amazon, and a lot of Walmart's profits are coming from their grocery business. And what's really cool about Walmart is they have this like park and go deal where you can order your groceries online. You pull up to this designated spot and someone physically carries your bags out to your car, loads them in your car for you. You never have to step foot out of your car. A traditional Walmart greeter isn't going to be able to do that type of a job. It's very physically demanding. And so 
employers are supposed to offer these displaced workers an equivalent job or find ways to adjust the requirements or even grandfather them in with the long-term employees. But again, it's at the company's discretion. They're having a difficult time managing these essential functions of what they need along with the ADA's requirements and what they've been doing all along. This is all going to be happening on April 25th. Walmart did say that they're extending the current 60-day greeter transition period for associates with disabilities to hopefully give them a little more time, find them another spot in there in the stores. As soon as this gets phased in, you will start seeing less people with disabilities there. They're just not going to qualify for these jobs anymore. And if it works on these one on these 1,000 stores that they're going to do it in initially, It'll probably get rolled out to the rest of them. Nationwide. Yeah. yeah. They're the largest private employer and they happen to employ a record number of people with disabilities, whether it's physical or they're elderly. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see how this really ends up impacting these people. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.